Evening, Dan. Evening, Omar. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you doing? All good. Feeling okay about the six o'clock start today? Yeah, it's a bit, bit disorientating, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make the most of it. It's uh, yeah, gone into a pattern for so long. I know, it's, it's totally my fault, um, but the good news is it's because I'm playing football five-a-side for the first time in, in quite some time, so if I don't make it to next week's show, you know, you know why now. I know why. Very good. What uh, what's the expectation for how the body's going to hold up? Oh, um, uh, I know base is probably the answer, but you know, I whenever I've done a bit of sport recently, actually even in the cold, it's not fun. But I do actually have a cold bath afterwards, which actually does really help the limbs, but is totally, um, yeah, not very, um, yeah, not much fun in especially in the winter. But it definitely means I can move the next day, which is uh, the, the flip side. Okay, that is that is bold. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you could pay me enough money to do that. Actually, but, but um, wanted to chat um, agents fees um, today. There's there's a really good athletic piece by Matt Slater, which which you shared with me, and um, where it's kind of a really interesting read on framed as the kind of coming storm with, with agents fees. Um, I guess we can use this this time just to have a general chat about. I guess again the the general role that, that agents play in the marketplace, and the distinction between representing clubs and players, and then perhaps we can get into um, into what some of the regulations that are coming in and some of the litigation that might come as well. Um, but it might be helpful, I think, actually, just to lay the the foundations. I think everyone, kind of casual listeners, might see agents as just kind of representing players, and all they do is kind of take care of the player, take care of every need, and then make sure that they get the most possible money when they move club but there's a bit more nuance to it than that so I thought it might be helpful to start with with that nuance for sure um you know I think that the one thing that we we, we did actually I, re- I really enjoyed the session it was, pre- it was probably pre-covid wasn't it Omar where we did a we did a session I think on agents didn't we um and it was because also I'd wrote about written about it in uh, the Dundee book specifically um uh, in relation to you know trying to not necessarily level the playing field but just try and see the other side of the coin sometimes and in fact it's because you know I do work with a lot of players and agents and I see a lot of the, the good stuff that happens as well as obviously some of the, thi- the 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 reports and other things that you know people aren't particularly best pleased and happy with agents in a way that they carry themselves on and all all of the all of the usual um, and the reason why I think it's important just as you said to set the scene a little bit is because um, you know I think the, the days have gone where. Um, I think they lasted, and if they were, they were only really for outlier deals. Where suddenly, you know, an agent rocks up, um, you know, does a couple of phone calls, brings the player to the training ground, and manages to finalise a multi-million-pound commission for themselves. And um, not only do I don't think do I think that those deals don't, I haven't seen those type of deals happen. Is that because there's a lot of invisible work that goes on that an agent has to deal with, which is you know recruiting and make, retaining players, developing very strong relationships with um, clubs generally, making sure that they've got those relationships with clubs. Um, if it's chief execs, chairman, director of football, chief scouts, whatever it might be, and whoever it might be, so that they know that they can get the deal done in the end. And as you said, there is then also the, the distinction between acting for the player on the player's behalf and obviously acting for the club. And sometimes that can be pure brokerage where you're not acting for a player at all, but you're helping a club buy or sell a player. And then you have uh, players agents that tends to work for the player, but also the buying club as well. And the reason why I say all of that is because um, pre-2015, um, the agents' regulations um, were effectively enforced at um, FIFA level to a degree. Um, but FIFA felt that actually um, there wasn't enough being done at, at national level to the extent that they didn't really want to uh, deal with uh, the regulation of agents to the same degree. 
and effectively um, deregulated and ensured that it was actually the national associations then were going to regulate agents from 2015 onwards. And they called them intermediaries, which, again, just complicated things in some ways. Fast forward a few years and what happened with that deregulation is that um, you didn't need to pass an exam in order to show competency. You didn't need indemnity insurance if things went wrong. Um, you, uh, you know, effectively could turn up uh, in the UK, at least anywhere, it's different in different jurisdictions, sign a declaration, pay your registration fee and then become an agent. Uh, no um, professional development obligations in a lot of different countries, um, England included. And it was more or less to a degree a race to the boss to an extent. Um, some would say a deregulation, as others would say, you know, actual higher risk, because actually there are a lot of agents, although they may or may not have been doing deals, but ne didn't necessarily have the experience or expertise or knowledge or, you know, any basis to be able to um, undertake these types of um, services to a higher left level. And so what happened as a result, by way of the backstory, is that then FIFA, I, I think, admittedly realized that they had probably got this one wrong and had been in the process for a couple of years uh, and more to re-regulate the agency intermediary business, whereby they will effectively be the regulators of um, uh, intermediaries globally. Because one of the issues that happen is that when you deregulate, um, agents had to basically apply for agency licenses in every country they were going to potentially work in, which was obviously a total nightmare. Um, there wasn't really the same type of passporting, um, obligate, or passporting regulation so that then if you had a license, uh, intermediary license in one uh, country, you could do the same um, in another. So it just caused lots of admin and bureaucracy. And in effect, sometimes actually caused it had loads of unintended consequences. So we're at the stage now where very briefly and sorry for the long um, yeah, background is um, FIFA is re-regulating. And in a lot of ways, um, actually, a lot of the re-regulation is relatively uncontroversial. Um, they're bringing back a, an agency exam. So, you know, you've got to show a, a certain level of competency, understand the regulations, understand how, you know, tax transfers, negotiations work and the wider FIFA regulatory, uh, net, you know, regime, basically. You're going to have to need um, indemnity insurance. Um, there's going to be certain provisions around conflicts of interest. Coaches are now likely to fall within the intermediary regime as well, rather than just players. Um, and you're going to have to undertake professional development every year, which to me sounds very um, you know, sensible. The bit that's caused the big controversy, and, and this can be dependent on your way of thinking generally, um, is uh, they, FIFA have proposed um, a commission cap. And if I briefly talk about the commission cap and why it's controversial is... Um, you know, the market rate for commission tends to be between five and 10%. And five and 10% is usually of a player's basic gross salary. Um, and that is then the entitlement um, to the agent for effectively doing the transfer or renegotiating um, an employment contract. Now, the way that works in practice, and we could talk about this in a bit more detail, is um, for lots of different historic reasons, tax reasons or otherwise, um, the club usually play, pays the player's agent. And this is the thing that sometimes it's pretty difficult for people to get their head around. Um, effectively, even though there's a rep contract between the player and the agent, it's not a player that pays the agent, it's the player's club that pays the agent. And I'm going to come back to that point in a little bit because I think this is you know, one of the discussion points that needs to be had at a wider level, which is the comparison, for example, in US sports, where effectively players pay their agent whatever that fee is, and it comes from the player, not from anyone else. So where we're at now with FIFA, 
again, apologies for the, uh, the, the, the circular approach to this, is FIFA are saying now that we, we FIFA feel that there's too much money going out of the game to agents. And we believe actually that agents are um, um, uh, putting in place exploitative practices, are taking too much money out, um, aren't acting in the interests of um, their clients potentially. And therefore, um, agents should only be taking, there's different levels of commission structure, but if you're acting for the player, um, you can effectively um, uh, go for you can you can take six percent um, of the basic gross salary of the player, three percent for acting for the player, three percent acting for the club, or if you're acting for the selling club, you can take ten percent of the of the of effectively the transfer fee for acting for the the selling club. And so, as you can imagine, agents and intermediaries around the world have gone a bit. Um, crackers and in my mind there's you know they've got some strong arguments there because um, they're effectively saying well why is FIFA regulating the industry for agents as opposed to anything else you know chief executives take money out of football um, you know employees take money out of football every other sector in lots of different ways don't necessarily regulate the agency commission in lots of different ways for actors to musicians to tv stars to whatever else it might be so why is all this big controversy in relation to football agents and their practice so that's a, a, a Fortunately, probably for the listeners, uh, a six minute or seven minute whistle stop um, tour of uh, sort of where we are at the moment and the sort of regulatory reg regulatory structures that are in place and are intending to be put in place in, in the coming months. No, really, really helpful overview. And uh, to give give you a little break, I've, I've actually got some numbers um, so I, I can play my part in this in this discussion. Um, so we've done some analysis before on um agents fees as a proportion of wage spending so fortunately I, I think it would have been since that deregulation in 2015 where things were handed over to national associations um the fa have done an annual basis um the amount of agents fees paid out by different clubs and it's it's not a perfect measure but you can kind of un, you can begin to understand the extent to which certain clubs value agents and certain clubs value agents less uh, by looking at agents fee spending as a, as a proportion of total wage spending uh, and the variation is pretty significant so in the premier league you look at premier league clubs over the last um four or so years in which they've, they've published the fees um a, a club like watford has spent the equivalent of roughly 13 percent of its wage bill um on intermediary fees between 2017 and, and 2020 uh, and the bottom club is burnley with just four percent so you've got a nine percent difference between the two most clubs are kind of in that seven, eight percent range, as, as you said, like the, the kind of market rate is five to ten percent. Um, and even amongst kind of the so called beer clubs, there's quite a big range. So, Liverpool, very high. Um, I think it always surprises people how high Liverpool are on the agents' fee spending, it's always kind of associated being you know, a smart club that finds value. But I think the fact that they are able to find value in the transfer market does mean that they can perhaps spend elsewhere. Uh, and on the flip side, a club like Arsenal, well below. Um, what you would um, expect at five uh, percent, so quite quite a big range there. Um, so I, I wanted to ask, well, first one question um, about um, the exam um, and the extent to which agents kind of support an exam process and, and the usefulness of that. Because I think it's quite interesting. You know, you, you don't often think of indeed anything in football requiring an exam, so it is quite unique in that sense. Um, and then secondly, we can get into okay, well, what um, what these regulations are going to look like and what some of the kind of key pushbacks are from, from the agents. No, it's a really good one. I mean, I think, so there's a, there's a nuances even on the exam side, which, you know, my understanding is from speaking to a lot of different people is, and again, it, um, you know, it, it might not be correct in the end when these regulations, you know, come into force, which I understand is likely to happen in the, in the coming months is 
if you were an agent pre-2015 and had already passed an agent's exam, that you then won't have to um, repass or pass a new agent's exam because you've already done that previously. Now, query whether there's actually quite a lot of new rules and regulations that would mean it probably worth your while and probably necessary to do that. But that's a separate point, which means then that at least my understanding for the time being is that if you are an agent that hasn't passed the agent's exam for whatever reason, maybe you weren't in the industry or you only came in 2000 onwards, um, you will you will have to pass that exam. And previously, it was pretty tough. In truth, the, the, the fail rate was pretty high. Um, which and I think it's supposed to be still multiple choice questions based on the variety of um, agents regulations, transfer regulations, uh, solidarity, compensation related matters and, uh, and everything else. Um, but I guess to, to, to the bigger agencies and agents that think they can do a really good job, this in a way is a positive barrier to entry to the remainder that might not either have the time, effort, capabilities, training or otherwise to then have to go through the process of passing the exam. So it restricts supply um, in the uh, in the most basic and, and critical sense, um, which I think will obviously may significantly limit the number of registered agents um, in the UK and throughout um, and throughout the world. Um, just remind me, Omar, what was the second one? Apologies. Yeah, quite, well, yeah dig into now what um, uh, the main what parts. people are proposing, what the main yeah, kind of pushbacks are. Um, it, most, I think the most interesting thing for me is if you've got that 3%, 3 percent um, mm. representing the player and, then, and a much bigger percentage for representing the selling club but a what's the thinking behind that and then b obviously what what does that mean for what how agents might change well I, you know um i have part of any of the the consultations that fifa have been having with certain agent groups interestingly a lot of the bigger agencies and agency groups just ref, uh, refused or had initial conversations with fifa by way of consultation and refused um to continue because they didn't believe actually it was actually a meaningful consultation almost it was window dressing for fifa to show that they had done a consultation exercise but were still going ahead with their own proposals in any event and who knows you know whether that's the the, the case or otherwise um but effectively, then, as a result, you know, there's lots of nuances. Um, the, the, there's an argument that actually the clubs have had quite a larger set. They want to deal with the agencies and agents that they want to deal with, which effectively means it encourages clubs to maintain the relationships they have with certain established agents that they want deals with and can reward them with side deals for up to 10% of the transfer value. Whereas, you know, to some, um, the clubs feel that they have more difficulty in negotiating when uh, a player's agent um, is trying to negotiate with them. And that's why the reduced three and 3% um, element is part of it. Now, what the, the other interesting thing that the agent, the new agents regs are looking at is that the conflict of interest point around, you know, should you be acting, should an agent be acting for the player and the buying club together? Um, I believe what is going to be happening, which it has, isn't necessarily outlawed um, at FIFA level at the moment, is the ability to be able to act for all three parties. So acting for selling club, buying club and, and player. Um, and at the moment, my understanding is that prohibited. And I think that is something that is going to fall foul of the, um, of the new regulations to a degree. But I think there's also uh, a really interesting wider point, which is I think that the controversy around agents being paid is in my view, in part due to the fact that it's the fans, clubs that are paying the agents. You know, when everyone sees the, the tables twice a year that FIFA, that the FA and in different jurisdictions uh, publish saying Liverpool spend this much, as you said, or Chelsea spend this much or Man City spend this much, etc. Um, there's an interesting narrative about, you know, FIFA saying, well, this is the money that is going out of the game. Now, 
I never really hear those type of arguments in the US, for example, whereby it's the players that are paying um, their agents the commission on the, the negotiated deal. And my query almost on the counterfactual is, would this still be the case, for example, if football players, instead of the clubs paying the commission, if the, club, if the players paid their agents directly? I, I don't think FIFA would then have the same strength of argument, for example, to say, ah, well, we need to protect the players because we think uh, this is still an unregulated unregulated industry and uh, the players shouldn't be paying their agents the same commission. It almost feels like it's a club side externality rather than a player externality. And very briefly, the reason why that's the case, that that the club's paying, is historically in Europe, a lot of the tax authorities don't allow for... Um, agent commissions to be a deductible expense out of the player's annual return, which means structurally that the way things have happened in the past is that the clubs will, as a benefit in kind payment, pay on behalf of the player because it's very tax inefficient for the player to pay his or her agent directly. And everything in my mind comes from there. So in a way, my view is, without again complicating things, Omar, I'm sorry for the, the extra analysis here, is that if there were actually quite interesting structural reforms to the way that the tax authorities treated players' agency payments, a lot of, this, a lot of these issues may actually be um, uh, more straightforwardly dealt with. That, that's really, really interesting. And it's, it's not something I was aware of and um, makes a lot of sense. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the feeling is that, um, yeah, that the fans you know, buy the season tickets, pay the subscriptions, it goes to the clubs and then the clubs are kind of, you know, spending it all on agents. And it's obviously a bit of an exaggeration, but to make a point, um, I think that is different. Whereas if it was a player's, it's kind of, well, it's your money, you get to spend it how you want. Um, so it's a very different perspective. I completely agree with that. Well, what was really interesting in the um, Matt Slater piece was the kind of three um, economic inefficiencies that FIFA described. Um, and I think reiterate that point that you make where, the first inefficiency that it describes is hidden information problem where essentially an agent knows how much a club is willing to spend, pers- essentially persuades a player to take less than they're worth and then they can therefore pocket the difference. And, and that definitely does feel like they're taking money out of the game. Whereas if they're incentivized, obviously, to get more for the player and take a cut of that, that would be, again, perceived as something different. And the second problem was this kind of... And I take um, that just first, Omar, just really yeah. briefly, because it's a really interesting point. And sorry to stop the flow on that, but simply all I'd say there is, is that that's where I think the agent needs to give the player more transparency. So there needs to be requirements as to agent transparency on that particular point, because ultimately, you know, under English law, you know, the, the, the agent has an underlying fiduciary duty to do the best possibly possible thing it can do they can do for their client so if for example that is shown and that is proven where the agent is taking more money and giving less effectively to their his or her client then that's a a fundamental breach of their fiduciary duties and making effectively could be argued secret profit which might then lead to the player suing the agent as a result so i think that can be dealt with on a transparency point in truth um but again i definitely can understand the logic of fifa's concern there and describe to me what transparency looks like. Is this publishing all agents' fees? Like, how does that actually work? Uh, no, I'm thinking that actually what the agent needs to do when they're liaising with the club on the commercials is making sure the player is fully aware about what the overall budget is, for example, for the player, how much the agent is going to be taking or the player is going to be paying the agent or otherwise. And then so the player understands the money that's going to him or her and to the agent and where that playoff actually is. I mean, so there's a public transparency point, but I think there's also a, um, an individual transaction transparency point between the player, the agent and the club.
Yeah. Okay. That 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 makes sense. I, I imagine the the agent's argument is that sometimes these things aren't super clear cut. It's not always apparent how much the the club wants to pay because they always they don't always want to share that and give that away. I suppose so that 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 would be the challenge. Is that fair to say? Exactly right. And yeah. um, I think ultimately FIFA has to back that that logical assumption up with evidence to be able to demonstrate that and you know the way that practices are dealt with by way of regulation is to, to regulate in particular very specific systemic ways not i think to be able to just put this blanket commission um structure in place which in my mind you know isn't necessarily as laser focused as it potentially could be mm, okay um and then the second problem i'd be interested to get your view on on how you find a solution to this which i think is is the problem that um, perhaps riles a lot of fans is this concept of gatekeepers. So if you're the age of a star player, you know there's no one else in the marketplace like you. You have to go through that agent in order to access that player. You know you can't go find a similar player in the marketplace, and and the agent just kind of sits there as, as a gatekeeper. I mean, how is is capping the only way of of kind of regulating that that issue? Well, I think there's an argument there is it's so limited in the number of players that that relates to as to become you know a disproportionate outlier. Um, in the truth is true in truth and I think the point there if if the argument is gatekeeper in order to extract an additional fee um, in order then to be able to uh, get the agent to the table or otherwise you know I think I think that um, is potentially something that the player again needs to be aware of because I'm not convinced on necessarily the agent is necessarily acting in the player's best interest um, if the, the agent is asking for a fee to even get to the table, because ultimately that's a fee that will go to the agent, not necessarily to benefit the player. Yeah, and, that, and kind of on the final point as well, the third problem that FIFA highlighted is agents holding up deals, let the clock run down in transfer window, raising the stakes and their service fees. But but ultimately saying that if, if, if that can be shown to be in the interest of the player, then it's not really an issue um, because ultimately that's, that's agents kind of serving their purpose. Agreed. And look, there's a bit, there's a major, major risk in an agent doing that in truth, because the deal might not happen. And then they're getting, you know, a big portion of nothing is the truth. So I'm not necessarily convinced that that, um, that, that sort of approach on that last point you know, holds a ridiculous amount of water only because an agent will have to balance that risk without against getting the deal done or not. And if they feel they've got leverage to, be able to extract more value or maximum value for a club, then that's in everyone's economic interests and incentives to, to do that um, in a way. And ultimately, the truth again is if the player says to the agent, I want this deal done now, the agent, unless you know, they're pretty strong-willed, are going to go, okay, well, well, we'll do it at this level and we'll get this rate and that, that's absolutely fine. But you know, mm-hmm. I think that's a, it's a high-risk argument to use there because ultimately the deal will only get done and the longer it's the, the the riskier the transaction becomes yeah for sure and uh, you're absolutely right i guess that the, the, it's perhaps a little bit naive to suggest that agents hold all the power because ultimately players are going to have some view on their career and 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 uh, the i forget whether this was the change in regulation but, but players are able to change their agents pretty freely was it it was initially every two years what's what's the regulation around that now still is it depends on different yeah. countries um you know, there's, there's, there's some European countries where you can't sign an exclusive deal, in truth, um, like Germany, I believe, um, and Belgium, if I remember correctly. But, you know, in the UK, you can sign up to an exclusive two-year deal, really, which um, can be, you know, uh, you know t- ties the player in for a significant amount of time, in truth. And it's very pretty difficult to get out unless you, the agent has, um, you know, effectively breached or material breach of the, the rep contract. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the points that we're talking about 
Um, when, when you get into the detail, it's obviously, in my mind, a lot more nuanced than greedy agents and they should be capped to their commission. Um, because a lot of the time, you know, in my view, clubs have much, much more leverage than agents apart from the very, very big deals because the clubs hold the purse strings and they're always, if they're clever enough and they should be, there's always an alternative to the player. Um, and if that's the case and the player and the club does it right, um, an agent and the, the player will always have that significant insecurity um, that the deal is going to fall apart because they're waiting too long, they're asking too much money, or the pesky lawyers holding the deal up because of some drafting, which um, is always my worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I think that's a really fair assessment in terms of the kind of where the balance tips towards the, the players and the agents, and it is only at that very sharp end of the market, which obviously draws headlines, but, but perhaps only, only for a small segment. Uh, so the final two minutes, what's next? I mean, there's kind of threats of litigation. Mm -hmm. Likely is it that some of this stuff gets, um, gets implemented? Well, it's a great point, and I'm sorry for monopolising the, the, the discussion a little bit um, tonight, but, you know, I think based on Matt Slater's article that was over the, uh, over the weekend was that FIFA have come back and suggested actually um, a 10-5-5 approach, um, i.e. potentially 10% if you can have for player and club, but I think it's only to a de minimis um, wage level to a degree, which won't be significant by the sounds of it. Um, so all of the major agencies have already come out and explained that, you know, as soon as the regulations are implemented, that I guess they will be trying to injunct FIFA at particular national, um, in that particular national courts. And I think one of the last things that Matt Slater said in the piece was that um, there's already been two attempts in national courts to be able to suspend the regulations. But I think the, the principle at the moment is, is that if the regulations aren't actually in force, they can't be suspended. Um, and I think the last point, just very briefly, is the query about whether um, the, the regulations in total are going to be suspended or the application is going to be made for the tot in total the regulations suspended or whether it's just the operative part in relation to the commission cap that is going to be suspended. So um, there's going to be some very, very interesting judgments um, likely to come out of national courts relatively quickly after um, FIFA implement the regs unless there's some compromise position that happens. But, you know, based on the entrenched position of the parties at the moment, it doesn't look like everyone's on um, on, on best terms right now. Yeah, well, but it sounds like we'll all need experts on the subject. And Dan, really, I mean, genuinely, really, really fascinating um, to, to listen to you speak on it because it is, is a nuanced subject. And I think it's, uh, it's fair to say that not all um, all sides of the story get shared. So really useful. Appreciate that, mate. Great to chat as always. And sorry you had to listen to me for almost half an hour. Not at all. I'll, I'll do the chat next week. Perfect. Take care, Paul. Thanks Cheers, for Dan. listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Football Law read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast, like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book Dundeal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally, and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research, and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch, and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word go to 13shop.co.uk that's 13shop.co.uk 
Thanks for listening.